All right. I have my notes with me here, and uh, you have your notes in them in your. If can I maybe move that just a little bit there so I can move around without putting a hole in the wall. Um, you know, I, uh, my life recently has just been kind of interesting. And really since I was on sabbatical, as it seems like God has been ramping some things up in me. And the time that I took going back over my past life and ministry, you got a little bit of the taste of that last week. I hope it was okay. Um, of, of how I got here. That all started during that period of time, that 10 weeks that I was off and trying to, to make use of it. I really did spend some time in this and I really do kind of miss it when I can't get into it. I think pretty well in this thing. Um, when it's warm, when it's cold, I'm real distracted and I don't stay in it very long. So, But I, I spent a lot of time just trying to figure out not only how I got here, but how does that help me for the future? Where does that move me along? Does it move me along? Does it harm, hurt, hinder, help, you know, push me forward or, or whatever? And I've, I've had this strange, the last few weeks, and I mean three weeks, around the time I started preaching about um, the worship, I, I, I feel like a man who is waking awakening out of a dream like I've been asleep and what I've had and what I know and what's really been valuable to people that 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 possibly you've not really had full access to and maybe I haven't had access to and I don't you know and I don't know if that means I owe you an apology or if it means it's been a time of, of laying down foundation and whatever. I don't know. But I feel like I've just been coming alive again. And I feel the breath again. And my encounters uh, with the Lord have gotten deeper and a little more surprising. And what I've, what I've started to see in Scripture have gotten, it's, it's like things I've read and read and read and you pry at them and you work at them and you try to get them to give you their secrets, you know? That you somehow you're going to pop another secret out. That those things have been just open to me. I haven't had to go digging. I feel like I've been spending a lot of time rereading the parables of Jesus in, in the last couple of weeks. And I'm doing it because if you checked in with uh, the uh, um, coffee with the pastor that we do in the middle of the week, you'll see that I spoke about one of those, uh, one of the parables, and probably will keep doing that, and probably on Sunday morning, because it's, it's like I'm reading them all over again, almost like I've never seen them before. And, and there's this obvious thing. I, I shared with some people last Sunday morning, I get up early on Sunday and I go over my notes and pray a bit and do my Bible reading and whatever. You know, just trying to make sure my head is focused in this, the morning that's coming. 
And I was sitting there last Sunday, and this thought passed through my head. It just 41 years. And it was one of those things where you say, um, okay, 41 years. That number is significant to me. I start here in about a month. Uh, I will, or about two months, excuse me, I will be beginning my 41st year of ministry since I was licensed to preach, and I've been in, in ministry ever since. So 41, okay, so that was what I thought and didn't think anything about it. As I was studying, and, and uh, there was a reference, I was reading in the Gospels, and a reference to Moses. And I went back to the Old Testament and followed, was following the reference down, and at that point in time, I began realizing that, that 41 was the year of inhabiting the land. 40 was the year in the wilderness. 41 was where we, we actually crossed over the Jordan. And what God had promised started to become a reality. Now, they had to scrap for it. They had to deal with their fears. They messed up a time or two. But the point was they finally stepped across the, the Jordan in another miracle as they left Egypt with water piling up on both sides and they went through the Red Sea the same kind of miracle took place in the Jordan and it opened up and they walked across and went on to the land where God had destined that this people would finally settle and they would become the declaration to the world until the kingdom of heaven arrived they would become the declaration to the world that a people can have a conversation and have a relationship with God and God will have relationship with them that's what the Jews were doing there. And so it was in that 41st year, so may, may that be the prophetic thing and whatever is happening here and happening to me, and I think seems to be happening to quite a number of you as well. You're telling me stories now, and you're, you're, you're telling me things are starting to ramp up in your life. And I just, without making it mean too much, I also don't want to make it mean too little. That God is breathing on us, and I'm so grateful. I am so grateful. I'm getting stuff in the shower again. I won't tell you about all of that, but okay. well, that brings me here to my to my hammock. There's a there's something that I've noticed and, and known for years, and it's it's been very helpful to me. And I've talked to you about it before, and that is this. I called this the suspension and the tension. That the kingdom of heaven is not is not always the simplest thing in the world to talk about because first of all it's not a, a normal kind of evangelical type of language we sort of use it as a catchphrase and without totally understanding uh, what it's about but but there's there's a tension in it and we begin to discover and I want to talk about this of how the kingdom of heaven finds itself in this place of suspension and it's the, it's the place where you and I get in and, and believing and trusting God that he, that he is going to sustain us and He's going to hold us. Now we've been, a lot of us have been through, you know, uh, times of difficulty. We've been through times of blessing. It's, it's wonderful to have Desiree back with us. She's been out and down and, and yeah, it's, you know, she's been through a long extended time getting this baby here and he's doing well he's doing very well 
keep praying for him. He needs to put on a little weight, and those lungs need to finish the work they've got to do. And so keep praying for baby, our baby Aaron. But it's so good. But in the midst of this, Desiree, could you honestly say God has sustained you? Many of you stopped by to see her, and when you walked out of the hospital room, how many of you found yourself more encouraged than when you came? It was just again and again. There's just this tension. How could that be? That something so, that seemed so, um, it was threatening, could end up to be something so good. Jesus did this all the time. Um, when he talked about us, he would, on the one hand, he says, I no longer call you servants. He says, but I call you friends. And so we find, I'm a friend. I'm a friend of Jesus. And then he turns right around and he goes down to the other end and he hooks it up and he says, no, but you're still servants of the king. And so you find yourself in this place. Well, which is it? I want to be a friend of Jesus because I like the benefits. The sound of that is pretty good. That servant thing, that slave, it actually, that, that word could many times be translated slave. That the slave thing is bothersome to me, but Jesus uses that language too. Well, which is it? How many of you know it's both? There is that time when I... When I, I I know him as friend and the intimacy of that relationship and the value of it. But then there's a, that other time when I find myself like the servant, no longer being asked my opinion. The, the servant didn't really get an opinion. The master declared it. And the servant, in order to be a, a servant, had to do what the master said. And it didn't always match what he wanted. Are, either, are both those things true in the kingdom of heaven? How about... How about uh, Jesus himself when, and when, he, um, when, when he talked about family? And we begin to realize how important family is. And, and, and he, he upholds the Old Testament standard of honoring your father and your mother. And he, and he upholds the relationship between husband and wife and, and, and speaks a strengthening word into that. The family is so important. So we hook this thing up here a little bit more. In order for this thing to really work, I'm, I don't think I'm going to get in it this morning, but I'm tempted. But this thing, you pull it over here. And you... Okay, I've hooked my family. And then he turns around and he says to his disciples, if you're not willing to walk away from your family to do the will of God, you don't love me. Huh? Do you understand why this kingdom stuff can get real sticky? So what we do is we pick one or the other that makes us the most comfortable. But if I pick one, I only learn a portion of the kingdom of heaven. But when I learn and I'm willing to let myself get hooked into suspension, I begin to understand the kingdom of God. You follow me? Is it right, they say to Jesus, to give to, give to Caesar or not? We want to hook our, we want to hook to here or I'm going to hook to there, one or the other. Which is it, Jesus? And Jesus says, render to Caesar what's Caesar's. And he hooks it over here and he says, and give to God what belongs to God. Huh. See, I want this to be easy. I want the answers to be easy. I want the work to be easy. 
How about what Jesus talks about the difference between duty and privilege? What I'm required to do or what I get to do. And how many of you, you know, when we suspended one here and we get hooked one over there, how many of you begin to understand that it's in that tension, it's in that suspension that we really begin to find our lives? It's, it's the tension. Listen to what I'm telling you. It is the tension that will inform you. It's the tension that will tell you the whole story. If I hook to the one, I am lost to the other. But if I'll find the tension, you get it? This is what the kingdom of heaven is about. Now we're at our notes. We're finally there. Jesus is the alpha, and Jesus is the omega. I thought there'd be more room up here today. Should have tried it. And he hooks. What was he saying? This is from Revelations 1.8. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is, is to come, the Almighty. So what's Jesus saying? I'm the beginning. See, Jesus is the only origin and he is the ultimate destiny. You get that picture? And on that, everything else hangs. Where do you and I live? See, where you and I live is between the Alpha and the Omega. We are from the beginning to the end, and I put my life and I put my trust right here. I'm hanging over space. Makes you wonder where other people are suspended, doesn't it? But I'm hooked between the two. Jesus is the only origin of everything that has ever come. Nothing will supersede him. Nothing will ever overshadow him. Nothing will ever displace him. He was the creator. Does everyone understand there never was another creator? Nobody's going to come along and, and subvert the creation. Everything that is was his. No other creator will come up and, and, and create a, a, a competing universe. There is but one. And we're hooked to that. He has the final say. Uh, he had the final say over creation. But does everyone understand he will also have the final say over the end? He will determine what that looks like. And you and I are here. How many of you ever got thrown out of your hammock the first time you tried it? First time I ever got in a hammock was in Ecuador and I gave all the natives a laugh because it did this and, I, and it dumped me on the ground. And I kind of ha-ha'd and brushed myself off and thought, I'm going to beat that contraption. <laughs> this actually was a gift to me from my wife on a Father's Day just before my first sabbatical some years ago, so it has a very dear place in my backyard. Okay, so here we are. We're suspended between the two. We live in tension. Philippians 2, 14 and 16. 
We have that scripture, yes. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. What does he say? Let's call that down there the day of Christ. All right, this, for you and I, who are kingdom people, this right here becomes the cross. And the day will come when he finally says, that is the end. And there'll be no debating. We won't stand in line with our resumes, recommending ourselves or others. It will be over. Everybody get that? It started at the cross. We're going to get into that. I'll explain that to you. We are suspended. We live in this world, but we draw on the next. His right, as, as Alpha and Omega, his right to say what is and what isn't has been given to us. We are now in this present age, this place between the cross and the place between the final word. We are living in suspension here, and it's in this place that we learn to begin to draw on the next world. It isn't the easiest place to be, but it is the best. Now, what, this is, what Paul is writing about here is that we live in, a, in an age of darkness. We live in an age of violence. We live, we live in a time of uncertainty. And it, but in the midst of this morass, in the midst of all of this challenge and in all of this darkness, there lives a race of people who are gifted with an eternal light. They have been given uh, the balm for healing. They have been given the authority to break bondages. In the midst of this darkness, there is a people who are suspended who live here between the now and the not yet, who have access to the kingdom of God, have access to the king, and we are the ones who are to bring to this generation the light that we have been given. We are suspended. Jesus is also the one, it says, who is and who was and who is to come. Like, what does that mean? He's here, but he's not here yet. That's exactly what it means. This is that same tension. I'm referring again back to, to uh, Revelations 1.8. The end, the, the uh, eschatos, if you, if you run across that word eschatological, we pastors and people like to say things like that, like sounds like you know something. But all it really means is it's the end. It's, it's that moment. That's the eschatos down there. That moment is coming. Everybody understand that? That moment is coming it will end we live here now I get this one life John Weber used to reach in his pocket and he'd pull out his change and he would he would hold it out and he would say uh, he would say this is my life this is this represents all that I am and I get to spend it any way I want to. Now, I can spend it on myself 
or I can let him spend it. I can let him have it. See, we are attached. We are in this impossible place. Just hang in. We are attached to the now and the not yet. Um, this eschatos is, is often referred to the beginning or the end here on this earth. Our, you know, that this omega becomes another alpha. <laughs> there's, there's another age to come. And, and Jesus uses this language. Paul uses this language of this present evil age. You know, he talks about this place, this place of darkness that we are in where we shine as lights in the darkness. But there is another age that's coming. Now that age, that the kingdom of heaven, this is where some of the confusion has come from. And, and we're, we're headed in that direction. Go with me. Um, this is the... Uh, do you have a, a slide there that has the, I pulled this, yes, thank you. This comes out of the little book that we're beginning this week in our small groups, the uh, Kingdom Come book. And this was a, a definition that, that was offered in that, in that book. The kingdom of God is the dynamic reign or rule of God. Jesus has absolute, Jesus has absolute rule of God. Does he have the absolute rule of God here or does he have it there? Yes, that's a good answer. Now there, at that moment, the, the eschatos, the beginning of the age to come, does everyone understand that his will will be done 100% of the time? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We are the only planet, we're the only place on the face of the earth where the will of God is not done 100% of the time. Why? Because you live here. I live here. And I make choices contrary. I have the power to do this. I have the change in my hand. And I have the power to live as I please. And I can spend, and I do spend my life any way that I want to. And as that change goes away, you know, as I spend a little bit for this, and I spend a little bit for that, and, my, and time goes on, and I began to re realize that what's going to happen over there 100% of the time can really begin happening now for me here. That, that the kingdom of heaven can become workable in my life on a daily basis. This is, not, this is not rocket science, but it is a bit of a mystery. We are in suspension. We're here. We get to lose. Our whole life lives like this. We get to just live our lives have our opinions, no, make our own priorities, and we can stick God on. That's just, you can do this in America. It's easy. Or you can begin to get into the hammock and into the tension that begins calling you into a place of service that's well beyond your ability to perform. He begins calling you out of yourself and moving you along. He uses this kind of language. All right, I did finish my, excuse me. The kingdom of God is the dynamic reign and rule of God. I need that back. It just went away and I didn't finish it. Thank you. Um, the rule of God. Jesus has absolute rule of God. Jesus has absolute rule in heaven. On earth, he actively and visibly exercises rule over his willing subjects and over the forces of evil. Jesus is the reign of God, come to claim what was rightfully his. 
So when Jesus came on the earth, let's just look at these, let's just follow on here, stay in our notes. The kingdom has come. This is the language, the difficult language that Jesus used. He used the language of the kingdom is here now, and I'm going to explain that to you, but he also used the language of the kingdom is coming. Now, I think this is what's caused a lot of, of confusion in the evangelical world because we tend to land on that. The kingdom of heaven is when Jesus comes back. When I was trying to figure out the kingdom of heaven, and I was asking because I saw it in the Bible, I was reading the Gospels, and I saw it all the time. Jesus used that phrase, kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, all the time. I thought this must mean something, but I couldn't get anybody to tell me what it meant because they would say, oh, well, that's when Jesus returns and, and this earth is no more, the eschatos, and the kingdom of heaven comes and Jesus is in control 100% of the time. Does everyone understand they were absolutely right? And at the same time, absolutely ignorant of something that goes on here. We are here. We are not there. You got me? I was hoping my hammock could help. It helps me. Luke 16, 16 and 7. This is Jesus. The law and the prophets were until John. Now listen. Listen to what he's saying here. You, you'll get this. Since that time, the kingdom of heaven has been preached. He's another one of these tensions, and everyone is pressing into it. And then verse 17, this is the kicker. It is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. Tittle is like crossing your T. It's like forgetting to cross a T. What's Jesus saying here? He said when John came on, this is John the Baptist, when John came on the scene, something began to shift. Now, until that moment in time, the law and the prophets ruled the, the, the nation of Israel. It was their religion. It was their life. In that story of, of being connected to God through the sacrifices and keeping the holy, uh, the holy days and, and the holy practices, that they stayed in connection with God. But in the midst of that story, there was a promise that one day there would come a Messiah. And with the Messiah would come the kingdom of God. They understood this. And they, they looked forward to it. And they, and they believed it. And Jesus arrived and he says this to those people. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, what changed since the time of John? Since that time, the kingdom of heaven has been preached. In other words, Jesus is saying there's a switch. What was governed by the law and the prophets before this time is now switching to the kingdom of heaven. And it's being preached. And people who are hungry for it are pressing into it. They're getting into the hammock. A little uncomfortable. But they're getting into the hammock. Everyone's pressing in it. And then he says this. This is the tension. It's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. Making direct reference back to what he just said about the law and the prophets. He's saying it's going to take heaven to change that. Heaven has just gotten here. You see what he's saying here? 
You see why they were always so mad at Jesus? See, I, a few weeks, well, it was probably about a month ago, I went back and I, I, I refound some notes that I had done way back when. And it was about these different groups that were um, living and worshiping in Israel. Who were the Pharisees? Who were the Sadducees? Who were the Zealots? These are all mentioned in Scripture. And then there was another group kind of probably referenced but never named, the group, a group called the Essenes. And they were all at play. They were all at work in, in, in bringing somehow, they had some take on the Messiah's arrival and the kingdom of God when it came. And they all pictured themselves as being the people to whom the Messiah would come. The Pharisees saw a Pharisee Messiah. The Sadducees saw a, a, a Sadducee Messiah. The Essenes, which we know an awful lot about because of the Dead Sea Scrolls. So they're the guys who did that. They, they, they wrote those things. They were out, lived out in the desert off the, the edge of, of um, the Dead Sea, and they wrote and recorded, and they, a lot of that stuff survived. We know what they think. So all of these different groups, but the Essenes saw an Essene Messiah. And Jesus comes in, and then he begins to declare to these people that, well, yes, the law and prophets were there, but the, but the Messiah didn't come to just sort of renegotiate and reestablish the law and the prophets. He came to establish an entirely new reign. Until this time, that's been taught. But since John, you've heard another story, and let me declare it to you. Jesus did two things the whole time he was ministering. He not only declared the kingdom, he also demonstrated the kingdom. He said it looks like this. He healed the sick, cast out demons. And then he would explain what was going on. It was no, it was no center, center show. Healing wasn't the message. The message was the king has come. And the healing was just proof that the king was here. Yeah? And so the kingdom took on. So here was the problem. And here's, here's the problem, I think, even today. This hasn't gone away. The Pharisees and the Essenes and the Sadducees and all these other people, they saw themselves as a saved community. They were the people who most accurately portrayed what God wanted on the earth. Why would the Messiah not come to us? What Jesus came and said, no, I don't want a saved community. I want a saving community. I want a community who sees themselves in the process of bringing salvation and being, bringing healing and bringing maturity and bringing growth to the world that is absolutely destitute of any information about a God who desperately and eternally loves them. And it is your responsibility. You are the people who have willingly crawled into the impossible position we have been put in. Human beings who have been infused with the presence of God by the, by the person of the Holy Spirit. Mere human beings still thinking human thoughts now being given the right to begin moving in a kingdom that I barely understand. Whatever you know about the kingdom of God, you don't know enough. 
whatever you're moving in that represents the kingdom of God, it's not enough because something has passed away in order for this kingdom to come. That's a lot. Two, <laughs> Jesus began his ministry with a significant announcement. He said the time was fulfilled. Uh, this is Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's pretty big, isn't it? What was he saying? What was the language he was using? For all of these people who were expecting the Messiah, what was Jesus declaring to them? To declare the kingdom of heaven was the same thing as to declare that the Messiah was here. The two were inextricably tied together. You couldn't pull them apart. Are you with me? So when Jesus came declaring the kingdom of heaven and saying it is at hand, the time is fulfilled, what was he saying? I am he. I am the one. I am the king. I am the Messiah. And I am going to show you what a king looks like. And Jesus puts his life into suspension himself because he not only is king, he also becomes servant. Is that the message he sent? Well, which is it, Jesus? Make up your mind. But it's, it's in that suspension that we serve the king of kings who served us. I was reading one of the parables this week. It was one of those things where almost the, the moment comes where you can't sit in your chair anymore. And, and if you've been in my office, you realize I haven't got a whole lot of move, room to move back there. And it's kind of my fault. I pile my books up and then peer over the top of them. It makes me feel powerful or something. I don't know. But I was reading one of those parables, and I want to preach a sermon on this, where you see the, the master becoming servant. Do you understand that it's the only way your salvation could be secured was that the king of kings who could have just called the angels and it could have wiped this thing out. Instead, he bowed his knee and he died the death of the cross. He put himself in that position to serve you in your failure and serve you in your sin. And the master becomes the servant and the servant becomes the master. And I don't get it, but I sure do like it. I'm called into this. See, I'm, I'm called into this tension. Uh, the Jews believed the kingdom of God was a coming reality. It was to attach to the, to the Messiah's reign. So to declare the kingdom was to declare the Messiah's arrival. And they had this geopolitical spin on this thing, believing the Messiah would, they believed that he would bring in a time of peace and bringing to the knees the, the enemies of the Jews. They, they saw a time of healing. They understood this from the Old Testament. They saw a time of the miraculous being part of this story. Um, and so, and so they were looking for it, but because of their expectations, they, they didn't get it. How many of you have ever had your expectations get you in trouble? Really, about what you think it, this, it ought to be this, it ought to be that. And sometimes our expectations are well-informed, and sometimes they come out of our own pain. 
They come out of our own neediness. They come out of our own fear. And so we, we have to have Jesus become something. And so, and so I pick him to be king. I, I, I pick him to be the one who's over all, and I hang on to that, and it helps me, and it heals me. But he wants to bring me to this place of realizing that there's this other side to him where he is the healer and the restorer. See, the actual moment of its permanent availability, that is the, when, the, when the kingdom would become ours. Because Jesus packed it with him. He, he, he talked about it all the time. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. I read that this morning in my own studies, you know, in my own Bible study. The kingdom of God is within you. He talked about this as a present. He was saying, this is now a present reality. The Messiah is here. And wherever he went, the kingdom of God was enjoyed and seen and challenging and all of those things. But the, but the moment was coming. What he was saying was the moment was coming when the kingdom of heaven becomes permanently available to my followers. It would be yours. And that moment came at the cross. The actual moment of its permanent availability would be at the cross when Jesus would cry, it is finished. My work is done. Something is coming to you. Um, uh, John 12, 31, 32. Now is the judgment of this world. This is at, it's the moment almost on top of his crucifixion. And he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from heaven, will draw all peoples to myself. You know what he's saying? He's saying what I've been doing and what you've been seeing in me, the works that I do, you will do also. Because what had been this exclusive, uh, this exclusive territory of the Messiah was now being given to the people of the Messiah, the followers. And in like manner, and in like conscience and in like heart they would begin to pursue him and begin to pursue this world that we've been put in how many of you have come you've been walking with the Lord long enough to, to realize that sometimes the hammock is is it's a hard place to be because it's, it's either this or is it that and we find out in the kingdom of heaven, it is in fact both. Jesus used the language that the kingdom is still to come. This is Matthew 25, 31 through 34. Um, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, and he will sit on the throne of his glory. Which end of this are we talking about right now? That end. He's very specifically referring to the eschaton, the, the end. You know, when that moment arrives, all the angels with him, he'll sit on the throne, and the throne represents authority, the kingdom, the rightful king on the rightful throne, over, uh, reigning over the rightful people. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from the other. As shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, and he will set the sheep on the right hand, right hand, goats on the left. Sorry. <clears throat> Then the king will say to those on his right, maybe it's right and left, I don't know, yeah. Uh, then the king, the king, 
The king will say to those on the right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. Wait a minute. I've got to wait till then? See, this is where, the, this is where that confusion I talked about has come from. Inherit the kingdom. No, what that is is when all of this comes in absolute fulfillment. And I can prove it to you. Let's just finish this. Jesus revealed that the kingdom is the future. All right. It's the future, but it also came with him. It was here. It was here. And it was given away at the cross so that you and I could walk in it. But the time will come when 100% of the time, 100% of those, 100% of all that's been created will serve and recognize him as King of kings and Lord of lords. I just want to finish this. The kingdom had come. I'm going to skip. The kingdom had come. That is, the eternal reign and rule of God was, has been breaking through people's lives on a regular basis. But the final reality of Jesus taking full control of the earth is still down the road. We are still in what is called this present evil age. Let's skip that next scripture, Galatians, that you could read it for yourself. That's the present evil age. That's where we are living. But in that present evil age, there is a people who are living for. We enjoy in portion and in function now what we will enjoy in its entirety then. Let's read this scripture in Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. And we will be done if the band can find their way around my hammock. But God, listen to this. But God who is rich in mercy... Because of his great what? His love, which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In other words, at this moment in time, you are enjoying that heavenly reign. That has, is in your life and you are in it. That's what it's saying, because it keeps going. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God loves us to this extent that once we are finally there, he's going to spend the rest of eternity being kind and loving us. That's what eternity is about. He's going to spend the rest of his time just lavishing himself, lavishing himself on us. Well, what about this? What is Paul writing? That what you're going to enjoy in entirety there, you're already joining, enjoying now. We are seated. That's present tense. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That is a positional promise. That is a, a positional reality. I am that man. You are that woman. You are that young person. You are living in the suspension of a wonderful and loving God who has given already to you the blessing and encouragement and authority and purpose and future that all that the kingdom is has promised you and you get into this hammock, that day will come. That day will come. But there's going to be a lot of people who get in are going to be really surprised about what could have been. What about you? What could have been for you? How are you going to spend what you've been given.
What's the purpose of your life? I don't know. I can't answer that. I've had a lot of people come and say, Pastor, tell me. I don't know. Once in a while I get an idea. Once in a while I see things on people. Like this young man right here, Ben. Who doesn't even know I'm talking about him right now. He's lost. How many of you see ministry on that young man? There he is. I'm talking about you, Ben. But I look at a lot of you and I see a lot of ministry on you that has yet to get loose. You're not walking in it. But you can. You will. The whole point of what we're doing the next couple of months is to see that you begin to understand that what we're talking about, this kingdom of God is more real than what you will go to tomorrow. Because long after that job has disappeared, that home, we were so excited to have so many people in, that, in our house. And, you know, we got this enormous house that we heat. And Linda and I live in a few square feet of it. But what a wonderful party we had. But, you know, one of these days that place will be ash. It won't mean a thing. This means everything. I take this with me. The house will burn. This goes home with me. And I want to live here. I don't want to live anywhere else. I want to live in the midst of the kingdom. I want the kingdom to be my, my story. I want the king of the kingdom to be honored with my mouth and my intention and my heart. I want others to see what I've got. Not because I'm special, but because the king I serve is so special. This is where we live. And this is where we're taking you. As hard as it all is to understand the now and the not yet. That it can be in your life as well. You, Tim. God's got a call on your life. And you're just starting to realize it. It's just starting to stir in you, and I can see it beginning. And all that God's preserved you in and kept you, it's just part of the story. But brother, your story is ahead of you and not behind you. Straight ahead. There's so much more to do. There's so much more to do. So, you want to get into the hammock? Let's just get really crowded here. Let's all get in the hammock together this morning. I love it when the little kids come over to our house and they're in our backyard in the summer. I take this part inside, but in the summer, and they all want to get into the hammock. And it scares me to death because they're not that easy to control. And I've had as many as three kids in this thing at once, and I'm standing there like this holding it. It's okay. Your dad will stand there and hold it for you until you're able to get in and out yourself. We're going to worship. Let's stand. But I invite you, if you don't know Jesus, if somehow you got here and you don't know him, man, what a time to discover that he already has paid for the sins. He's already paid for the debt. 
and you can get in. If you're someone that's just let your life sort of wander in and out of the kingdom, Jesus has been a stick-on, an appendix. Well, let me tell you, there's a lot more to it than that. We want you in. Find a home group. If you're not one of the small groups, there's a list out there. Sign up and get in because we're talking and discussing and, and going to be praying and ministering. I intend that the material that I just did down in uh, Yarrington here a couple of weeks ago, probably at the beginning of April, it looks like, maybe the weekend that I celebrate yet another birthday, will be a, a time where we will come and just learn how to pray for the sick. How do you do? How do you bring the, the kingdom of God to, a, to an individual who needs a reality? I, wanna, I wanna, want to release some of that into your life. I, I know about this stuff. That's why I say I feel like a man waking out of a dream, walking in this, and I want you to have it. I want you to have it all in your lives, in your family. So we invite you at the end, we'll pray with any of you. If you've got a physical need this morning, I have a sense there's, there's, there's presence here for healing. Come and get prayer. But let's worship. Let's turn our hearts towards him and do a little business with him, shall we? He's calling you into the kingdom. Let's go together. If you look at that last verse, you just want to stick that back up there, Clay. How many of you see the now and the not yet in that? There is that place that said it. What we know and believe to be a fact, that which everybody uses now to measure this, you know, this, this logical world of ours that has to one and one equals two, you know, it quits, doesn't it? I don't know if the planets stay in their orbit. I don't know if molecules change. I don't know. I don't know if the universe is out there, the, the constellations. I don't know what happens to all of that, but I'm here to tell you the natural laws of physics finally come to an end. The earth disappears, dissolves like snow. The sun doesn't shine. It's all in, that, in the Bible. But the reason for that is we don't need it anymore. Isn't it interesting that maybe the kingdom of heaven at this point in time, though that's going to be the way it is when, when what seems logical gets ended, that sometimes in the kingdom of heaven, what seems logical gets suspended. <laughs> it disappears and I can't figure it out. I can't make one and one become two because it's the kingdom of God and He the God of the final, the final word is also the God of this moment. The king who will sit on the throne then is also the king now and he's established in my heart, in my life, in my church. And so sometimes things get suspended and I can't figure this out logically anymore. I merely have to hear him and be as obedient as heck. Is that scriptural? I'm not sure. <laughs> Obedient as heck. Because it's the only way this, this whole thing is going to work. God is calling you. However you ended up here. You came for whatever reasons this morning. 
but God's calling you into the kingdom. Ultimately and finally. And this is where we're going. We're going to just end in prayer. Thank you for that song. I love the forever mind part. No matter what happens to this earth, it doesn't matter to me because I'm His. At that moment in time, I'm planning on taking on a sheep persona and standing in the right-hand side. I may be nervous and crying for mercy, but that's where I intend to be, or there. Day of political correctness, we want everybody included. Everyone gets a trophy. <laughs> On Judgment Day, it isn't so. And I want to move this thing forward. How many of you would like to populate heaven with sheep? Be responsible. Be responsible to the call of God on your life and you will. Heavenly Father, thank you for the tension that you make us live in. That, Lord, the answers aren't easy. That there is no formula. Five steps to maturity. Four steps to answered prayer. Eight steps to greatness. I thank you. It has never been that simple, but it is, it, it is this simple. That I can know the King. And that the King has the answers. Lord, we will not back up. But we stand before you, Lord, as applicants to whom the promise has come that the kingdom of heaven is now. That the king rules and reigns now in my heart. If he doesn't reign, in fact, in the total, in this, in this present evil age, he is still king and he still rules in me. And Lord, I want the world to see that. I want the world to understand that that Jesus is Lord. So Lord, we stand before you, call us out, remind us, those who have promises on our lives that haven't been fulfilled, Lord, refresh that. Lord, those who are wondering, how do you get a promise? Lord, pull them forward and begin speaking into their lives. Lord, for anyone that's here that has a need, the kingdom of heaven already has a solution. There's already your hand on us moving in our direction so father we ask that you meet needs this morning be present to heal lord be present to restore be king of kings and lord of lords in jesus precious name we pray amen